1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy distributes our podcast to many many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started.
3: This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Use promo code PNF20 to save 20% off your jig order.
2: To the Battle and Finn podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Jay. Yeah, buddy. Jay in the house. We've got two J's in the house. This evening, boys and girls, we got none other than JP, a.k.a. Jason Pisa- Piskowski. Right? I didn't, I didn't butcher that. That's <laughs>
0: enough, man. Yeah. He, he, he almost didn't want did. to say it.
2: Yeah. He's
3: Jason? Jason P.
0: <laughs> the way i always have to explain to people it's passing a ball to a cow with a k that's on skis <laughs> and everyone it from that point on we'll just call him
2: ski for short
0: <laughs> hey not the first one that's <laughs> a Kasik-
3: <Kasikowski? laughs> yep.
2: but uh uh, Jason reached out to us after uh, our, our little episode with NRS over on the final cast. Um, I've known Jason for a bit here, and uh, he, he's one of our Rocktown guys on our fishing team, but uh, he also works for the fire department, and uh, he he reached out bringing up some interesting points on safety, rescue, cold water stuff, so we wanted to bring him on and talk about some of that stuff this evening Hopefully we can save a life or two for some of you folks that are out there on the cold water uh, fishing your little hearts out. Props to you, I'm a wuss. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nut jobs, that's what those are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jason, welcome to the show, man.
0: Thanks for having me on, guys.
2: Absolutely, dude. So uh, we'll start off with the age-old question. I know you know how this goes. How you got into kayak fishing and fishing in general, man?
0: Sure. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been fishing since I could walk. Uh, my dad's a fisherman. Start off fishing with him for a while. Uh, boat fishing, shore fishing. When I was about 10, 11 years old, uh, me and my cousin we got an old school uh, Coleman John boat. The the uh, big plastic ones that were indestructible. So uh, we were out in Michigan, uh, Goals on Sweet Lake, fished that lake pretty much my entire teenage years. And then uh, me and my cousin bought a boat together. We went ahead and uh, fished out of, of uh, Trackerford. And then uh, it was 2017, I bought my first kayak and I didn't know if I was going to like it. I bought a Viper from Menards, a uh, little sit in. Took it on the Des River, paddled around and fell in love with it. Upgraded to the vibe, uh, Seaghost 130. More, uh, modification to it to adjust to fishing. Started fishing tournaments this year, and then, uh, once getting on with Rocktown, got into, uh, Old Town, the, uh, Predator PDL, and, uh, that's what I'm pushing right now. Um, chasing after mostly bass, but I do like to go after northerns, and then, uh, once a year, I head down to the golf and do some uh, fishing for um, what was out in the Big Blue. Uh, I actually headed down to Texas in January to go chase after Reds out in
2: Corpus. Nice. nice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you got a special place in Jay's heart because you mentioned Pike and the Displanes <laughs> River. So. Cool. Yeah. If you guys yeah. need a moment for a second, uh,
3: <laughs> feel free to take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just for backstory, uh, me and Jay live pretty close to each other.
2: Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah.
3: So we know the spots. We know That's the right. spots.
2: Well, <laughs> I think I'm going to go out with Jason because Jay doesn't know the spots. From my experience, just saying. But uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Let's uh, let's get into a, a little bit of your background with the with the fire station, man. So how did you get involved with that, and how did your whole you know, safety rescue background come up in that?
0: Sure. Uh, just a little bit of my credentials. Uh, I'm a Chicago fireman. I've been a Chicago fireman uh, close to four years now. Uh, before that, I worked in the suburbs, uh, worked for a town, Lyons, Illinois. Been there for 10 years. Uh, I started there when I was 19. Um, been something I've been wanting to do uh, ever since I was a kid. My uncle, by marriage, he was a uh, fireman in Michigan uh, for that same town where our lake is. Uh, He made up to the rank of deputy chief. Uh, When in the fire department, there's different disciplines aside from firefighting. Water rescue is one of them. Being in Lyons, we have the Displains River that runs through the town. We also have the Chicago Sanitary Canal that runs through. So we do get water rescues and water recoveries. Uh, It has slowed down significantly over the last couple years, but when I first started, we were doing four or five water-related calls a year uh, with the department itself. So with that, I went ahead and uh, went for specialized training for water rescue operations, which is a state of Illinois um, fire certification on that. In that discipline, it teaches you how to rescue and also self-rescue yourself if you had to make entry into the water. Um, from that point on, like I said, a lot of, I, we've had two successful rescues in Lions. Um, fortunately, a lot of the times we, what we deal with is a lot of after the fact, it's a lot of recovery. So that, uh, that plays a role into it too, but, um, the skills that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, all come into play, uh, when it comes to extricating somebody out of the water or to your vessel dig it yeah and on top of those skills as a fireman i'm also a paramedic as well so uh, i've been a paramedic for nine years
3: isn't is that a requirement of being a fireman because i think it is like locally around here
0: yeah so most uh Within the inner city and the suburbs, most require you to be a paramedic uh, or minimum EMT, depending on the department. The further you go out away from Chicago, the less that's required. Uh, But it's growing more, especially over the last decade, it's grown to where (laughs) having your EMT basic is the bare minimum requirement to get on almost any fire department.
2: Nice. Gotcha. I feel safer when I fish with you now. I didn't know all that. <laughs> I knew somewhat yep. of your background, but I didn't know that much. So, yeah, anytime you want to fish, dude, I'm down. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, so so I know you had reached out, like I said before, and uh, you were like, hey, man, uh, I think there's some beneficial topics that could be brought up here, and would love to come on and chat about them, man. So, um I guess let's start with, uh, like, if you're by yourself, you know, you fall out of your boat, uh, things like that, man.
0: Yeah, so actually the way you look at this and you break this down, if you're by yourself. Number one, what are you fishing? Are you fishing a river? Are you fishing a lake? Is it deep? Is it shallow? So these are questions you had to, t- or these are things you have to take into consideration if you do fall out your vessel. If you're in shallow enough water, let's say in a lake, and you can stand up with a nice firm bottom, go for that first. Then be able to push yourself back into your vessel. You had mentioned quite a bit, and this is a practice that we frequent commonly, is re-entry from the water back into your vessel. Always practice that. There's no reason not to, especially in the off-season. But Let's say you're, you're deeper water uh, in the lake. If you do fall, number one, your PFD. All right? Your PFD is going to be what's going to hold you afloat. Right now, with the water temperatures and the air temperatures not being at 120 degrees total, <clears throat> your body's is going to start taking on hypothermia faster uh, with the cooler weather. So first thing is always to remain calm but you had to act fast. If you have a calmer state of mind, more likely going to survive your situation uh, versus if you panic. People drown because they panic. So when you emerge into the water and you're going to get back, a couple of things to remember when you have your kayak set up. Your kayaks are set up for the most part for safety. Um, any type of handles th- towards your center can act as a way for you to grab on to clutch onto your vessel to either get on top or another option is if you're close to land, swim back to it with it. But if you're going to make your re-entry, remember, using those handles and using the point, the most sturdiest points, which is the center of the kayak, uh, is going to be the way to get back on that vessel. Now, colder water your body's going to be going to shock, and you're going to realize that you you thought you had upper body strength, but you're not going to have that same amount of upper body strength uh, that you necessarily have. So if you can at least pull yourself up, you don't have to pull yourself on, but at least up enough out the water so then on your PFD everyone carries a whistle. Blow your whistle. Make, start making noise. Start trying to grab the attention from anyone who can hear you. Um, if it comes down to it, it's survivalist, uh, where no one's around and you're in that moment where you're going, Oh crap. The best you can do is if you can get your kayak over flipped and get inside, go for it then. All right. If that's your only means for survival, flip it, get back in because then hypothermia at that point will set in within five minutes get inside the kayak, let yourself, let your body calm down, get back to shore. Now, if you're going that far offshore, though, we all know the United States Coast Guard requires you to carry a radio. That's your way to signal for distress. That's your way to get help out to you. Um, that's going to the far extreme, but let's, say, let's take it back some. Let's say you're within half a mile of shore. All right, half mile ashore, even quarter mile ashore. If you can get to your vessel, and let's say you can't flip it, but you can move enough to swim, grab it, swim back with it if you're by yourself. Because the faster you can get out that water, and that, like I said, your your vest and your kayak act as your buoyancy, the faster you get out that water, the faster you're going to stop the process of hypothermia, at least through submergence. There's other things to worry about, uh, such as um, hypothermia with, um, with the wind and the air temperature blowing on you. They'll also lower your body temperature, but not as fast as being emerged in the water. But the, more, the faster you can get uh, get to that vessel and get out, the better off you're going to be. Now, if you're in a river, and Jay knows this just as well as we do because we've had this conversation before. First thing you should be doing is checking the uh, the flow rates. All right, check the CFSs. If that water's ripping, if it's raging, and you have no business being in there, don't go. Don't be stupid about it. But if there happens to be a – if uh, um, you have a flow, water temperature is cold enough, and you get in, most rivers are pretty shallow, or you will find a point where it's pretty shallow. Find that shallow spot. And make the work easier for you. Get to that kayak to get it flipped, get to a shell spot, flip it. Most of the time you're no more, depending on the size of the river. Most rivers are probably two to three hundred foot span in either direction from land. So you don't have that far to go. If you get to it doesn't matter if it's a it's a true landing or not, just enough to get on land. So that way you could start signaling that you're in distress. But if you're in a situation where there's current flowing underneath you and it's moving faster than you can move your move your kayak or get yourself together, just like you're taught in swift water, lay back and let the current take you with your feet up, head back until you can get out of that current. That's a situation when you come into a river. Um, but now, like I said, we talk about the rule of 120 anything is above 120 or if you're in the warmer water and you can get yourself back and it's shallow, by all means, you're not going to be fighting hypothermia. You're going to take a dunk, but you're not going to be panicked because your body's not going to that shock. You're going to have more time to take care of what you have to do. But for those who are out right now, just be smart about it. That's, that's number one, is knowing your limitations. If you Think you could do it? And you've never done it before, and you're by yourself. and You should not be in that situation. That's what it comes down to.
2: <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, totally agree with that, man. And then, um, you know, going back to you know trying to get somebody's attention, you know, that's why we all have to have a whistle on us at all times. You know, so mm-hmm. make sure you're you you have a whistle. I know some guys carry air horns, you know, yeah. things like that. So um, anything that to grab the attention of somebody when you're out on your own. I mean, you know, yeah, if it's the middle of July and it's, you know, 100 degrees out and the water's 70, 80 degrees, it doesn't matter. But this time of year, you know, not very many people are out having barbecues in their backyard. So if you need help, the louder you can be, you know, uh, the better chances you are of maybe getting a hold of somebody's attention to get some help for sure so yeah very much i dig it
0: and also too like we talked like you guys talked about in the last episode with this um layering you know starting with base layers and layer to keep you warm preparing that you may take an immersion don't wear anything kind of that's going to weigh you that's going to weigh you down um and wear enough to where if you are going to uh take a dunk that if by the time you get to the walk, because what's going to happen is, especially if you wear um, base layers, a lot of them come with fleece. So you're going to entrap your body's going to entrap that heat through the fleece, but everything that wicks off is going to stay off on the outside to keep your. <coughs> invest like they said in the last episode. Invest. You're going to invest for your life. Yeah. If something happens to you, there's no price tag to you know to have your life taken away from you because of hypothermia because you're dressed the wrong way
2: for sure totally agree with that man yeah and and like you touched on you know using wool base layers versus cotton or something else that's Mm -hmm. that's another huge thing because that cotton is going to absorb that water and not want to evaporate you know fleece wool things like that um we're gonna to want to dry out quicker and 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 get that cold water off you and and kind of like you said, take that internal body heat and warm you up a little bit. Yep. So. Yeah, and
3: there's like there's that saying too. Like a lot of people may not even know about. It's like cotton kills.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And that's what? exactly what they're talking about.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, and
0: again, like we talked about too, when you your mind's going to a different state. So the last thing that's you're not even thinking about is what you're wearing, and you're trying to swim to shore. You're trying to get to your kayak. You're trying to get yourself out that water. You're already weighed down. Da- your body's already weighed down because it's taken on that hypothermia. You're just adding more to the situation by wearing cotton at that point, and you're going to be struggling. That, like I said, nobody wants that.
3: No, and then like you know, and I've heard from well, uh, Ken Wood, who went in a couple. Well, you're, um you know he went up at the uh, national championship up in kentucky lake and he was saying that like for like the first minute he was like freaking out like i mean like your body goes through that shock you can't think straight you know and he actually ended up spending a lot of time in that water without a dry suit on in like 30 degree weather you know i mean the water was extremely cold it was snowing while we were fishing Oh, geez. on the day he he went over and the only reason why I knew about it is because the message a lot of the Massachusetts boys <laughs> were uh in different spots and I didn't know that Ken had connection with them but they were telling me like yeah, everybody just went over and then we hear about the whole story but I mean he was one of the lucky ones but I mean he was saying it was so cold oh, it was man. so it was such a shock and he didn't really know what to do but he had to like lay on his back and he actually had his phone out and he called some of his friends while he was floating down the river. You know.
0: Yep. And that and, and that brings up another point about how important it is to wear your your uh, your flotation device. Because let's say you can't get your kayak flipped. Let's say you can't. Get, let's say you drifted away from your kayak. Whatever the situation may be, right? This kayak's out. Your your vessel's out of the situation at that point. Now your body is in that water just like he was for a certain amount of time. The one thing that's going to keep you afloat, even if you were to go unconscious, is that is that safety vest, hands down, hundred ten percent. And not just a safety vest, but a safety vest that is fitted properly for you as well. Because if you're wearing the wrong size, it's not going to do you any good.
3: No, I agree. Totally. You know, and I, you know, and I know. Me and you have seen. You know, people go out on these kayaks like in the late fall, out on the displays, and you're you know, vest is unzipped. They're in like a hoodie and jeans. Yeah. You know, and people don't realize they, like there's some holes out there. You can get caught up. You know, it's like it's 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 shallow in some spots. Yeah, but I mean, you could. I mean, falling in's falling in. You know, I mean, you're still going to be again wearing cotton, basically. You know, denim and cotton. Uh, t- cotton. So like, mm-hmm. you're going to be super cold, man. It's like you know, people just don't. You know, they just go out there risking it. It's like, man, it just ain't worth it, you know? And I know they're not prepared for it.
0: Oh, and that's just it. It's the situation is, especially if we've been doing this, it's not, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, it's a matter of when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And just like any situation, you're not expecting it to happen when it happens. So everyone's thrown off guard. I had one that I had it happen to me this year. Luckily, I was very close to shore. I was at the Lamont Quarries, and um, I was fishing right where the launch is, I don't know, about 100, maybe 200 feet away from the launch. And I turned around to grab something out of my black pack. And I must have turned – when I turned to uh, my side – I must have turned hard enough that I slipped out my seat and didn't even realize it because the next thing I know, I'm up in the water looking up at the
3: sky. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) You you forgot you weren't 150 pounds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just went whoop. But, But to that point, you know what, and what I was able to do instead of trying to, you know, hop back in my kayak, I just swam myself right to the shoreline right to the dock and, and made reentry right there. It was in, it was a uh, middle of April. What happened. Water temperature was in mid forties uh, or so air temperature was in the sixties. So yeah, you still had that fact. You still had that factor, but I was still dressed it appropriately. And, you know, like I said, I didn't completely go under cause my vet all, all that water came up to my, uh, my vest and held me right there. So I didn't completely duck or go down. And um, like I said, just swam myself right back to uh, right back to shore and made reentry. So.
3: Did, you were in a dry suit then too, right?
0: Uh, I similar to it, yeah. Okay, I didn't have did, a full dry. I had I had to, I had uh, the bibs, the bibs all the way down, and then I had um, water resistive top on, and then did, the PFD.
3: did you Did you have the belt like going on? Yeah. So you got some extra flotation from your pants too, right? From Correct. Okay. Correct.
0: Those bibs are retired now because uh, they dry rotted <laughs> mm-hmm. down, down around by the uh, by the ankles, so they started taking on water. Yeah, and that's where we get into <laughs> the new uh, uh, sidewinders this here.
3: Yeah. Well. Well, and there's that argument from a lot of people because you know this this undoubtedly is going to split the field, you know, 50, 50, there's going to be people going, well, I use neoprene waders all the time. And people are like, you don't have to worry if you go in, it's, you know, the neoprene will float and they're right to an extent, you know, if you use your belt correctly, but you're still taking on water. Yeah. You yeah, know, the waders
2: right. are going to fill up and weigh you down real quick. Yeah. And yeah. I know
3: people that have had to exit those things because in cold water circumstance, like winter wading, and had to, like, get out of the waders because they took on so much water.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: That's not even, you know, not in a kayak, rather, but wading, but sorry.
0: Right. And the fastest areas where you're going to lose heat from your body uh, essentially is your core, but when you go to your extremities, so your feet, your hands, and your head is the most important place, is where you're going to lose heat from. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a lot faster, especially if you're standing in boots that are attached to your waders, your feet are soaked. Your body's losing that heat right there and then, and then with convection going on with the air blowing on you, yeah, you're lowering your body temperature.
3: Yeah, so. <clears throat> you know, and I and I could say too after seeing it in firsthand, um, you know, up there in Idaho fishing the Snake River and watching my friend flip a you know flip a, a Jackson Cuda, and like instantly, but he had a full dry suit on, he was coherent. In less than 30 seconds I mean there was that initial shock of like oh my god you know and some choice words and but I was right there he put his hand on my yak and I he was floating from his PFD and his suit and he was able to regain just you know uh, you know total, total acknowledgement of what was going on where we were what was you know what we needed to do within a minute of that time then and then we just started to get to work and he wasn't I mean we just kept fishing after that. I mean, it was a little freaky for me, yeah. You know, because I, you know, full disclosure was not properly <laughs> attired, and it freaked me out because the Snake River. It was cold. It was November. The water super cold. I mean, it was it was a super windy day, <laughs> you know. But I mean, I, my point I'm trying to make is that the dry suits make a huge difference in your well being you know, out there on like, out there in the water, anywhere you're at.
0: And prior to us having this conversation, I was telling Brian, um, a lot what we use when we have to do any type of entry into the water are the Mustang ice suits. Uh, they're primarily used in ice water rescue. So it's the same way to design the full dry suits are, you have the neoprene neck, uh, you have the neoprene around the wrist with the rubber gloves and then everything is—you're pretty much in a big plastic suit for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, but that is the true proper way uh, that you are going to protect yourself from from the cold weather, uh, especially if you had to take a dunk. But um, it's bulky, and a lot of people find that it's an inconvenience. There's, and you guys talked about that with NRS uh, in the last episode they are now designed more to be more comfortable, more suited, more fitting versus what we used to have for, um, you know, for protection or what we have to use for our own protection if we have to go in to make a rescue as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I know we talked to the fire chief uh, out here in Rockford. Uh, He comes in all the time uh, to to Rocktown, and they just, I think you told me too, you guys are using one-piece Mustang survival suits, right? That's exactly yeah. what, yeah, that's what Rockford Fire Department's using. Um, I know those things aren't cheap, but uh big yellow
0: zombie suits or what, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, the one thing I wanted to touch on too, for those folks that didn't hear that episode with uh, David Fuke from n r s um, you know, when you go in into that cold water situation. You kind of want to stay in that water for a minute, right, to calm your heart rate before you climb back out, because mm-hmm. like you you mentioned, you're going into shock, so you want your you, your heart to kind of slow down. Don't jump right back into your boat right away, as much as that's going to be your instinct. You kind of want to sit there for a minute, right, and let your let your heart rate come back down.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Um, and then you know this, and then you know, like I said, we're talking single you know if you're a single person out there on the water which again like we mentioned know your limitations if it's cold if it's cold like this and you're going out have a partner have somebody out there because majority of the time there's not going to be a lot of people out if you're just going to brave it by yourself and you don't have somebody with you don't plan on having somebody else out there if you pull up and you see there's nobody there signs are and it's cold like this, you shouldn't be out there either. but if you do go with somebody because that's gonna be a life that's gonna be your lifeline and that'll bring up a whole nother set of um, things to do when you're with the partner that increases your chances of survivability.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a great segue man. so why don't we why don't we jump into that when you're with somebody else and uh, you know jumping in to save them? Sure.
0: Yeah, so, uh, you know, Brian, you see my setup quite a bit, and what I what I carry on the back of my chair, is I have a seventy five foot uh, bag of polypropylene uh, water rescue rope. Polypropylene, the rope will not sink in the water. That material has it float on top, and that's for both my own personal safety and for rescuing somebody else. So, if someone does go into the water. we, We are always taught in the fire department, reach, throw, row, go. If you can reach the person with an object, try that first. If you cannot reach the person and you could throw them like your rope, throw the rope to them. Most of the time, how you always want to do this, and I and on my on my YouTube video, we're in the process of making some demonstration videos on this, so look for those to be up soon. But all you had, if you're gonna have a vest on. Just put your arms up. If you're the person in the water, the person in the kayak, just throw the rope right between their arms. It'll land on them for them to grab. Now they have a lifeline to hold on to. You can't do that bro, if you can paddle to the person safely and get them to the side of your boat or your kayak or your vessel from that point, but let's say they go in they're unconscious and you have to get them out really got to think about what you're doing here and what your circumstances are the last thing you want to do is make an entry and put yourself in a situation as well so, with that being said using that rope can really come into a benefit, especially if the person goes unconscious. Okay? So, if you can paddle to the person safely and the person's unconscious, whatever the case may be, whether it's medical related or if it's related from trauma, such as him striking his head on an object when he went into the water, use that rope to help bring him to your vessel. All right? And what you would do. With that rope is make a girth underneath his vest. Come up underneath his vest through. You're not going to choke him because the rope's going around the vest. Pull the tension and pull that slack up to where he's sitting against your kayak. Enough to where you're not going to fall in. Enough to where he's suspended there. And you could get him back to shore. This is not going to be fast by any means. Especially from a kayak. Especially if you're paddling. Because now you're going to have to break your paddle down. One hand, have him to your side. The other hand, start going. But you're buying this guy. You're buying the person who went in time. Do the same thing he would if he went in. Take your whistle. Start blowing on that whistle. Start signaling with flares. If you have an air horn, start hitting your air horn. Let others know if they're around that you're in trouble. If you have your phone because you haven't went into the water, Start calling 911 right away, so we can come out there and get to you. All right. Don't expect to get back to shore super fast in this situation. But what you are doing is, if that person is injured, you're you're saving their life number one. But you're buying them time, because the, now you you are taking the advantage of your own human, you know, your own human propulsion to bring this person to shore. Versus if they were to have to wait for the fire department to come for them, you've already saved that step. Or if the fire department gets there, you're that much closer for that person to get off the water by the time they get there. So again, I carry it because it could save somebody's life. And I also carry it because if I get into danger, if if something happens, I get into some type of trouble. I can if I need to. And, um, also use that to flip my flip my kayak, or if I need to do whatever. It's a, it's a utility there for me to use as well. So very very useful, very beneficial, and I would always recommend carrying it on your vessel. United States Coast Guard requires vessels to carry it in their boats on waterways. They do not require it for kayaks, but it's always a great idea to have one.
2: Totally agree with that, man. You mentioned flare guns. Are you carrying a flare gun on your kayak?
0: You know what? I have, and I got a little revolver-style one. I'm going to get one. You want to
2: have Flare Gun Wars on the next river trip?
0: Yeah,
3: for sure.
2: (laughs) Sorry, man. You know, it's a little it's like, kid. Why not,
3: why not bring it why not bring Roman candles, Let's I was just gonna say,
0: remember being kids that had Roman candle fights?
2: It's on like no. Donkey Kong. No, Jason. <laughs> I don't remember that.
3: <laughs> I I mean, I was quite the idiot when I was younger, but I never did that. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> oh man. Pretty <Freaking> good fireballs. <laughs>
2: I won't say I haven't ran from a couple, but yeah. <laughs> no that's cool man that's good stuff um yeah i know uh i i i think i forget where we were man and i saw you know and we saw them at rocktown any any kayak shop's gonna have a um you know that rope and it'll come in a bag it's condensed you can buy it it's fairly cheap i think from what i remember um but just having that rope man i mean there's multiple utilizations for that rope in any event uh, you know not only safety rescue but you know survival situations if you were to get stranded things like that so um but i know I, I saw it on the back of your chair and i was like what the heck is this dude what do you got back here six pack you know like he's like no dude it's my rope my safety rescue bag i was like oh cool well if i fall in i know i'm good so um <laughs> but uh yeah, man, um, I think it's it's cool, man. I've I've thought about it since you and I had had that conversation of just picking one up and and just having it in the boat when I'm when I'm out fishing. You know, only makes sense.
0: Yeah, and like I said, it it, it it's not. It's always it goes back to the to what we always say. It's it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. And totally. You know what? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. You know, in a you know, it could be in the summertime someone flipped and they, you know, let's say you guys, let's say we're ledge fishing, right? And they're, they're in the shallow part of the ledge, but when they flip, they get to the deeper end. They may not know how to swim, they're freaking out. It's right there for you to throw them and get them back to the shallow point and be done
3: with it. Well, and I think I think a lot of people, too, are like aren't going to realize that, you know, especially if you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s, you're probably not as active as you once were and you're, you may not be hitting the pool as much. And if you get into the water and actually try to swim, it is quite exhausting. I mean, yes, yes, you've got the PFD on, but I mean the, you know, it's, that's probably like one of the like roughest full body type scenarios where every appendage has got to be working overtime and you can get so exhausted. And if you're freaking out, You're going to get even more exhausted, which, you know, if you got your PFD on, you're going to be cool as long as you relax. But if you don't have a PFD on, that's when the drowning comes
2: in. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, I don't know if I've shared this story on the podcast, um, but I had my first run in with uh, rescuing uh, another kayaker, so to speak. Uh, over this past summer slash early fall, um, took a gentleman out that wanted to learn how to kayak fish. Never been in a kayak. Older gentleman. Um, took him out here on my local lake, and uh, you know we went through a bunch of safety stuff, uh, paddling things like that. Started fishing. We had some wind that day. And, uh, we were, we were fishing my little honey hole offshore spot with, uh, you know, trees and stuff and sunken trees and the wind was blowing us. He was in a much different boat. So it was blowing him past me a little, a little quicker than what I was moving. And, uh, I heard a splash behind me and I thought this guy finally hooked into a fish and I was like, sweet. And I turned around and looked and I just see his head popping out of the water Like oh that's not good. Hold on, (laughs) I'll be right there. Went paddling over, and I mean, luckily enough, the I think the water temps were um, like mid sixties. Air temps were right around seventy. So you know we're about one thirty. But you know it's it's a situation I had never been put in. Um, But being that I've taken some safety rescue classes through my local paddle shop. I kind of knew what to do, and I uh, went paddling over there, and again, this dude has never been in a kayak, and he went to stand up to relieve himself from some morning coffee, and uh, his balance wasn't there, and he ended up falling out of the boat, so, you know, basically pulled our two boats up next to each other, um, put a paddle across them, um, I held one side of the boat, he went to the opposite side, Went to reach over to grab and pull up, kick his leg in, and kind of rolled into the boat. And, uh, you know, that's something, too, man. Like, in, in the summertime, just, and you're out screwing around, fishing kind of sucks. Go drop your gear in your boat and practice that with a buddy. I mean, it, I know we all say we're going to do it, and we never do it. But it's something that you guys should should try doing. Or like I said, go go take a safety rescue class from your local kayak shop. Um, go on ACA's website; they do safety rescue classes all the time. Usually they're like twenty or thirty bucks. Takes like two hours of your time, but at the end of the day, it could save your life or a friend of yours' life, you know, or somebody you don't even know, you know. Okay. So um yeah that's that's my little tidbit my little run-in uh guy went to take a pee fell in and had to save him from his pee so i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's Wrong like dude, day to do that that's yeah right. yeah so i mean it's interesting though because like at, at at that certain moment you're just like you you have a rush of adrenaline like oh crap i remember paddling because i wasn't in the blue sky i was in uh think it was in a Jackson Liska. I went paddling over there as fast as I could and, you know, just getting him back into that boat as fast as I could. And it was the same thing, right? So we were in nine to 10 foot of water and he had struggled getting back in the first couple attempts. And I said, well, what I could do is you could hold on to the boat. Um, I'll paddle us up closer to shore so you can get some footing and, you know, climb back in that way. And we ended up getting them in without having to go through that extra step. But, you know, that was definitely an option that we had looked at. And communication with that other person is key, you know, because if not, like Jason said, you could be put in a situation where now you're both in the water, right? Mm-hmm. And and if you're trying to do stuff certain ways, it, can, it could cause you to roll or flip or fall out. So taking some of those extra steps and those extra steps um, procedures so to speak that have been set up for uh, safety rescue um can definitely make all the difference in the world and make the job of getting the other person back in the boat a lot easier
0: definitely uh, and you know what I, I and i just wanted to touch on this um before you know beforehand so i did reach out to the aca uh, <coughs> you know to do both the uh, instructor, I, I I sent them my credentials to see if they would grant reciprocity uh, for what my certifications are uh, to see to have the instructor level for uh, for rest or for emergency uh, rescue for water for uh, for kayaks and canoes. I haven't heard back from them yet, but again, a lot from what I saw from their curriculum is the same disciplines that we've gone through that certification and bring it to the point of. You're talking, you know. There's a lot of uh, Jay said and you said. There's a lot of older, um, older folks in, you know, who are into kayaking now, for fishing or health benefits or whatever, whatever the case may be. But what we have to do too is we have to keep in mind uh, and think about what medical problems that they could have while on a kayak as well, you know. And it's gonna sound morbid, but what you know you may have someone who might have a heart attack, might have a stroke they're, and they're at that age and they're out there they're at that age where this can happen to them and this is where taking these classes um, and practicing these techniques are really gonna come into play because if someone goes into cardiac arrest right now they they're completely unconscious they're like they're like a wetland fish. So now it's up to you to get them out the water because this is, why do they fall out the kayak? Well, because they had a heart attack. Now they're unconscious, they're limp in the water. Now it's up to you to do what you have to do to get this person either back to shore or if you're that far away, get in touch with uh, to start the emergency procedures. But if they have a stroke, another part to having a stroke is you lose whatever side's affected. You lose feeling and control on the affected side of the stroke. So now this person only has one one side of their body they can use to help you with if they're in the water. And you had to remember too, they they don't have control, so they're going to be wanting to lean over and let. This is where keeping their head above the water, keeping their keeping their vest leveled with them. Those are all considerations that we have mm-hmm. to take in as well. Also, if someone gets injured, so let's say they do submerge and it's in shallow water, right? They strike their head on a rock or a log or they have a head injury or if they have some type of uh, ortho injury from going into the water, anything that involves the spine as well, we got to take precautions to not have, um, you know, to not worsen the injury. So. You know, trying to keep their head level, trying to have them not move their neck as much, um, because if they start moving their neck after striking their head, uh, they could they could potentially become paralyzed. Right. uh, At injuries that if it's that serious, and again, we are going we are talking about this is worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be somebody falls out their kayak. You laugh at them. All right, get back in. But when it comes down to when it comes down to someone being seriously injured, you know we want to help them, but we also got to consider too, you know, little things. We don't, you don't have to be an EMT, you don't have to be, you don't have to even be, you know, first aid certified. But if you can recognize, if you can recognize little subtle things about what's going on with this person, you could also save them from further, from further injury and do the right thing when you go to rescue this person from the water.
3: Yeah, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of stuff to consider. I mean, you know, to your point, too, you know, river versus lake, current, you know, versus no current, and everything else that's in between, you know, the the weather. Um, I mean, there's a lot to consider. Situation. Definitely a lot to consider.
0: Yep, situation <laughs> all the time.
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, and like I said, I mean, I can say from seeing it happen in front of me, I mean, it freaks you out. Even when you're, you know, on top of a kayak and perfectly safe and you see somebody go in, You're, I mean, everything just goes blank, you know, and you start – it's weird because at that time, too, I was holding on to two heavy-duty rods. Um, We were sturgeon fishing, so they're big rods. And one of the lines was actually tied around him that I had, and I had to let – it was – you have this dilemma. It's the stupidest thing, but you're like, I'm holding three hundred, four hundred bucks in my hand, and you're in you in both hands are taken up right now. I'm in a pedal drive. am it's forty feet of water. The current is racing. The wind is actually pushing the the current the other way. He he starts freaking out. I'm tangled because he's had something similar happen to him, so he's panicking from a past experience, and now he feels lying on him. You know, and I had to like make a decision. I I dropped I dropped the rod. I just let it go, you know, because obviously, stuff that you know uh, inanimate objects so they have you know don't mean anything in a scenario like that. Yeah. And I had to assess the situation, with him panicking, but also knowing he's in a dry suit and he's gonna be okay. He did go on. His head went under though. I will say that, but I mean it was. It freaked me out. I mean, it like it hit me to the core. I mean, Brian knows. Yeah, Steve knows who I was with, dude. It almost makes you want to cry. I mean, it, it 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 seriously jacks you up, and then you realize your own mortality. Also, you know, so so many things are going on. You're like, I gotta save him. You know, don't worry about the kayak. Don't worry about the gear. Who gives? You know, you know who cares about that stuff, and. You know, that was the first thing. I was right there. He put his hand on there. I calmed him down. We swam the shore. The kayak was still floating. He just happened to have this massive hole in it that, from something he had installed. So this kayak was, like, sinking as we were doing this. And we almost had to make the decision just to let the damn thing go. But we were close to the shore. And the Snake River is no joke. Um, it's very deep, very rocky you know, and it was just a sketchy, we're in the middle of nowhere. So there's nowhere, nobody to help. It's just us, you know, and it's just crazy. the point I'm trying to make. It's, you really got to compose yourself and you got to prepare. And this was cold water, not warm, but I mean, you know, it ups the ante a little bit. And only thing I could say is just be prepared for the worst. I mean, that's the best you can do. And, you know, just try to just keep calm at the whole time, you know, just, just know that you're, you know, as long as you're there for the person, you can get them to shore, you know, you can take care of everything. Then, and we had spare clothes and dry bags too, just in case, you know, within the hull. Um, so, you know, what I mean, but yeah, it was just a sketchy situation, man. I mean, it, it'll mess you up. It'll, I mean, I honestly didn't want to fish anymore. I, I was like, I'm done. I mean, I was that freaked out. I was like, let's just, let's just go. You know, I mean, I'm out in Idaho. Like, I'm, you know, I, I took a trip. I'm like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> Let's go watch some TV. Let's go have some beers. I'm like, this is this is scary, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: yeah. Well, you know, not I, only that, but that water out there was moving at like twenty or thirty thousand cfs, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. That. Well, I think we were we were. Well, yeah. The part we were at wasn't that fast, but I mean, it was definitely the winds were around thirty to forty mile gusts. I mean, literally, the current was like the wind was blowing the current the other way. You could see the waves going upstream, or upriver rather. And you know, it was a very. I mean, it was so bad. Like in a pedal drive, I literally got out and walked in the river because I had uh, let's call it NRS um the bibs on, and I was walking in the river because I couldn't pedal, like against the current. I I couldn't paddle, I couldn't pedal, I couldn't fight it. Um, And I just was like, screw it, dude, I'm walking. So, I mean, you know, of course, that was right after the traumatic experience. Like, my whole body was just out of whack. I couldn't breathe right. You know, I was freaking out. You know, I was still freaking out. All I wanted to do was get back to the, you know, get back to the car. I was like, I'm just so done with this. I'm like, let's go. You know, and it was, I don't know, like I said, it was just... It was an extreme situation, yeah. Um, and I think we handled it pretty good, you know, and, you know, I learned a lot from that, and I learned how quick you can be, you you can flip over. Now, mind you, the guy I was with is always on the Snake River. He fishes for sturgeon all the time. He's always landed nine foot, like eight and nine foot sturgeon by himself, and this particular day, he got... A little cocky, you know, just got a little complacent, and the minute I saw the bottom of his boat, just saying his name, he was already in the water. Yeah, it was it was already done. He was the the kayak completely flipped, you know. So I mean, it's it can happen in an instant, and you gotta be ready. Yeah, it'll
2: happen yeah. quick, man. Yeah, for
0: for those listening right now, you know, and you know. If, watching the watching the YouTube vi- the version of this or listening on the podcast channels what Jay what Jay experienced you know that's that's te- that's a textbook um, you know what we're always taught how to self rescue and what to do and rescue with the partner and you know I, I really I really want if you can go back and rewind and listen to what he said you know really listen to what's going on there this is what you had to prepare for regardless. I mean, yes, situations dictate, but again, you never like Jay, Jay had no idea this was going to happen. You never know when, but it's and like we said, it's a matter of if, or it's, I'm sorry. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when it happens. And what are, you know, what are you going to do? So don't be complacent on practicing doing re into to the kayak. Don't, don't, you know again you he was on the river he was somebody who was experienced somebody who knows that river like the back of their hand right. that person still got into trouble no one no one is is uh, you know everyone's susceptible to the same circumstances that go on so for those of listen, who are listening no you're not you're not superman you're not invincible it can happen to you it can happen to mm-hmm. me it can happen and like i said it came close to happening to jay Anyone can be in this situation and you really, really had to be ready. And you know what, Jay, thanks man for sharing that. I know you said it's, it's hard, but people need to hear this. People need to hear, people need to hear. This is the stuff people need to hear that we don't necessarily talk about in the kayak community because we like everything. That's awesome. Good results, but nobody ever talks about the bad side and it's very, it's very much kept in the shadows. Until Mm -hmm. something bad happens, and then it all comes out. You know, I just saw another article for another kayaker who drowned. You know, because of not being prepared, not wearing a proper, you know, not wearing a PFD. um, You know, wearing, you know, going out without a partner when conditions were, you know, where they had no business being on the water.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, so again, I think that this episode. You know, we usually talk about fish and everything, but you know guys really really think about the reality of the situation that that goes on you know it you know we don't want to see it we want to put it away we want to have a good time but good times turn into into a very intense situation really fast and we had to be ready
2: yeah absolutely i mean that's the thing just being prepared you know i mean if you have no clue and that situation arises i mean you're basically both screwed right yeah, not only is the guy yeah. that falls out going to be screwed because he can't get back in, you can't help him, you can't assist him, mm-hmm. but uh, you're going to watch your friend die. That's yep. going to mess with you for life. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, just my two cents. No, I'm in... <clears throat> oh, sorry, Brian. No, I was just going to say it's not worth it, man.
3: No, it's, it, in, you know, even with my experience, you know, I can't explain to you how remote we were.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, you get up into those hills up in Idaho and you on that middle snake middle of nowhere. I mean, we're we're not accessing this water from from public launches. This is on private land. The only people that really even know you're on that water are the people at the, you know that live on the properties, but they they're not watching for you, you know, and I'm telling you, man, if if it if it had been dirt, like me going in, the story would probably be a little different and who knows if I'd be here. Um you know, I mean, cause I was I was wearing a hunting jacket, man. You know, and I should have been wearing like what, you know, uh, the the second part to my bibs, but I forgot them back here in Illinois. You know, so but I still went out, and that jacket was super heavy to begin with. If it would, I got waterlogged. You know, this is like your typical bone dry duck hunting jacket from from Bass Pro. It's yeah. a heavy jacket, you know, and. I, that's what, like, freaked me out. Sure. You know, because, like, you know, Steve goes in now, if I went in, he would have been freaking out, you know what I mean? And you don't, like, you're, to your point, Brian, you don't want to see one of your friends die. And you know what? And I think we're really just tired of hearing of these foolish choices that some of these kayakers are going out and doing, you know, and going fishing. And then, like, you know, guys taking their kids with, with no yeah. PFDs, and yeah. we all know how that worked out. You know, it's like, just stop. You know, it's yeah. like, and I'm not saying you're, you know, I see people, I just want to lecture, right. you know, but you know, they're not going to hear that if you do that. And how do you even approach that? You know, I mean, it's so difficult, but somehow you got to pass the message on because it just sucks. It just seems like now there are more people dying on these kayaks than I've ever noticed. Yeah. You know, Well,
2: I mean that, that comes with the growth of the sport and not enough education going, going on out there. You know, um, you got these big box stores that are whoring off these cheap, crappy boats. You know, people are yeah. picking them up, and they, they see, oh, this is going to be a great time. But they, they <clears> don't know <throat> how to paddle. They don't know the proper gear to wear. You know, and that's part of, you know, you got a 16- or 17-year-old kid at, you know, box store X who doesn't know a lick about kayaking you know, let alone safety rescue, you know, or, or anything about a boat in general, you know, that, that's who's setting these folks up, you know, so, I mean, you know, I get it, you know, big box stores can sell whatever they want, but there's a reason why kayak shops are in place so they can point you in the right direction and things like that, and I, I, I mean, if you want to buy a boat from a big box store, that's fine, but actually look and do some research on what you're getting into. And I think that's the reason why you see so many folks dying because it's not the guys that are fishing the KBF Trail Series or the Hobie Series mm-hmm. that are necessary. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are some boneheads out there that aren't wearing PFDs when they're not in a tournament or whatever like that, but. You know the folks that you're really seeing on the news, um, on all your different local news stations—it's just some schmo that went and picked up a hundred and fifty-dollar Viper kayak from Menards. Sorry, I'm not <laughs> picking on you, Jay. I, I have a, one in my backyard yeah. right now. <laughs> I know, but but right, like like I mean, let's face it, like I didn't know a damn thing about safety rescue when I got into this. But obviously, as as a little time went on, I was doing more and more research as to um you know different things and and how to be safe on the water you know and that's the thing too you got guys coming out of boats where they're used to you know it's got a ladder on the back to climb back in if you fall yeah. out right now you don't have that on a kayak i mean maybe yeah. i can put one on my blue sky but um you know it's it's one of those things you know there it's just not something that's talked about and you're seeing more and more of it and You know, I think it's great that our sport is growing, but at the same time, that education has to keep up with that. Otherwise, you're going to keep hearing these news stories. I mean, the one that totally haunts me is from talking to to our friend Richie Lockery down at Table Rock. He's out there fishing. I mean, Jason and I had fished the tournament down there. And uh, that's a big lake. Yeah. there was like seven guys paddling <laughs> out to an island and not a single one of them had a PFD on and they were in like a 100 and some foot of water and, yeah,
0: and if, if nobody has if some if people aren't familiar with table rock I mean it, it, it's a it's a man-made lake and you literally can go from shoreline being five foot and then you'll, you'll watch watch your death finder I'll go from five to twenty, to forty, to hundred within the matter of a hundred feet. I mean, it's yeah. it's no joke. It, it really. And then that day we were out there on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So we wound up pulling off the water because it, it.
2: It was it, bad. Yeah. The it wind.
0: Was really bad with the wind out there.
2: In the in the waves, I mean, it was like I was in a washing machine, and I was in the blue sky, and I was like, "This is crazy." I couldn't imagine <laughs> what it was like for Jason being in the old town. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. I mean, to touch on that point, you know, I think we as as, as kayak anglers and just kayakers in general have a responsibility when you see somebody out there, you know, give them, give them a pointer, you know, lead them in the right direction so that way, you know, you're not reading about them later on the news. Or, you know, there's that old, thing too like you go to the launch and you're like yeah these conditions suck but you're going to leave and you see another car pull up and it you know they don't have a Jackson or a Old Town or a Hobie you know it's a cheap $150 boat you know those two those folks ain't gonna think twice about jumping in that water they're gonna unstrap their boats and jump in just go down have a conversation with them say hey man I wouldn't jump in there if I were you and if they ignore you at least you tried man it's peace of mind, yeah. you know. But um, I don't know. You just never know. Never I, know. I mean,
3: I'm I'm just going to guarantee anybody out there. I mean, I mean, granted, we're talking about a very broad spectrum of situations here, but sure. The PFD being oh probably yeah. one of the most important pieces Absolutely. of your safety equipment. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you right now, if you put it on the front of your kayak underneath your bungees, I can guarantee you, you will not have time to grab that PFD. You are screwed. Yeah. Learn. You better learn how to swim. You know, I mean, it's no joke. You know, we preach this, and I know this is another one of those things where people are split down the middle. Um, obviously, a lot of us, the tournament guys and, you know, uh, the team guys, we know that, you know, for one, it's a requirement, you know. But you get used to wearing it, and then it's not a big deal. You know, you hear people, oh, it's hot. Yeah, it's hot. We know. We we deal with it, too. Just wear Sure some proper garments underneath that can help you aerate your, you know, your uh, PFD, maybe upgrade your PFD to a better one. I can't say it's going to solve your heat issues, but it's definitely going to make it a little more comfortable. Um, if you have it unzipped, it's not going to work. You'll probably slip out of it. I'm going to guarantee that unless you bear hug yourself immediately. I don't know what's going to happen to you, but having it not zipped is not having it on. It's not good enough. You know, don't expect a miracle to happen if you're not wearing this thing the right way. You know, I mean, it's, I'd hate to be the, you know, the, what's it called? You know, the PDF Gestapo, but you know, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to this and you gotta tell your friends. I mean, I just had a conversation this weekend over Thanksgiving, (coughs) excuse me, with my uh, sister's husband and he lives off of the, uh, the Kinky river and he wants to start kayaking out there. He did, you know, he's, he's more of a hunter, a trapper. You know, he wants to start getting into this. And I'm like, all right, man. I was like, you know, we're just chatting back and forth. And then I came to the PFD thing. And I said, hey, I was like, if you get one, I was like, wear a PFD. I was like, do not wear it unzipped. I mean, I was very stern. I was like, I, was like, I don't want to hear about you falling in and getting hurt or getting in some trouble because your PFD came off. I was like, I, I, I can't be associated with that. I was like, I'm telling you right now. You're going to zip that thing up, and you're going to be, if it's hot, who cares? You know what? Take a dunk in the water and some shallow water. I don't know. Cool yourself off, whatever you got to do, but just be prepared for it. You know, but I, it's, I just can't stress that enough. I mean, everybody, you know, I, I hear in some of these groups, man, you guys just think you're bulletproof, and you're not. You're just not. None yeah. of us are. And I'm not the all-around expert. <clears throat> you know what I mean? I'm going to get into trouble one of these days, too. You know, I mean, and even to Brian's point, Brian knows that I, you know, well, Jay knows too. But I mean, I'm usually on the Displains River. There's these like um, these grooves that are cut out of that solid limestone that are filled with muck, which is quicksand. I have literally almost sunk with my waders on in that stuff. So you're never safe from yeah. any of this stuff, whether you're in the kayak or not. So you've got to be paying attention. And I was luckily near land. I literally had to lean back to get out of this thing before I kept sinking, you know, because it was it was winter, you know, it was it was the water was freezing, and I knew if I if once it went in, I was screwed, you know. I mean, I would have had to run barefoot, dude, on like on all that grass. <laughs> that would have sucked, oh. uh, you know. I mean, I don't know what I would have done. I really don't, yeah. you know. But I mean, it's like the point is is like you know, just pay attention and just be as safe as you can because. God guys, we gotta stop killing ourselves. Like literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's you have a responsibility to get back to your family. Absolutely. It's your responsibility. You cannot go out there and just just wing it. It's it's just so irresponsible.
2: You know, that's Jay's law. That's Jay's law. (laughs) That's my diet trap.
3: Sorry. Take that to
2: the bank. No, that's cool, man. I I totally agree with everything Jay just said. You know, I mean, uh, I think this has been a great conversation for sure. Um, A lot of of good, important stuff. I know I learned a couple things from what uh, Jason was talking about. Um, But, I I mean, at the end of the day, like Jay said, the most important thing is getting home to your loved ones, right? I mean, what's a two- or three-hour class or watching a bunch of youtube videos on safety rescue things like that i mean to to be able to make that happen at the end of the day you know what i mean so with that jason uh why don't you uh let folks know where they could follow you shout out to your supporters things like that man
0: sure uh so you can follow me at four star fishing uh it's on instagram facebook YouTube, everything's four star fishing. I uh, just want to give a shout out to my sponsors, Rocktown Adventures. You guys yeah, are awesome. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Wicked weights, uh, TRC covers, and then uh, you know what? Everyone who's you know is, I've been building, uh, I've been building a good rap over the last couple years. So everyone who's followed me, and who stood behind me, and who, who knows who I am and supports me through all this, thank you guys so much. You guys, it means the world to me. And you guys for having me on, man. I've been listening to you guys since The Origins, and you know what? You guys you guys are killing it out there with it, so good job and congratulations on uh, the, the one year that had just passed.
2: Yeah, man. Thank We're about sir. to hit 100 episodes for season two. Well, actually, by the time this airs, we'll already be past it, which is pretty nice. freaking crazy yeah i threw some stats out there the other day which was pretty pretty nuts but uh saw that thanks for the kind words brother we appreciate you so you
0: guys are doing well it's awesome to see
2: thanks, thanks man well we appreciate you man coming on and uh reaching out willing to you know talk about this subject i know it's not something that everybody wants to talk about or necessarily hear about but i think it's important for everybody to hear um that's for sure and Thank you for your service, man, with the fire department. I mean, you're on the front lines, man, saving people every day. So that's huge, dude. So thank you for that. Uh, definitely. Thank you. I mean, you're, you got a better <laughs> chance at saving Jay than you do me just because I live so far away. But, you know. <laughs> but uh, question
3: is, am I worth saving? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he did.
0: He did land that pike right after it chased my lure. You know, it happens.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, with that being said, guys, until next time, tight lines, smooth paddling.
1: This is Bucky Buckstabber, founder and executive director of the Fly Fishing Collaborative. At the Fly Fishing Collaborative, also known as FFC, we mobilize the fly fishing community, outdoor enthusiasts, and people of goodwill everywhere to create sustainable solutions to poverty and human trafficking. We have many different initiatives to accomplish this goal, but our primary focus is building organic and environmentally friendly aquaponics farms for communities suffering from trafficking because of a lack of resource. If you're interested in funneling your passion for the outdoors to benefit those that need help the most, then visit flyfishingcollaborative.org. Josiah Pleasant, Executive Director of Agathos Village here, to specifically invite you to positively impact the vulnerable in Juneau, Alaska, in partnership with FFC. Bucky and I have been blessed to be a part of Transformational Impact Abroad and are stoked to bring our lessons learned home
3: to serve the marginalized. If it
1: breaks your heart to know that the
3: vulnerable are literally left out in the cold, don't have community, a home, or healthy food, join us to make a tangible impact
1: by donating or making plans to volunteer with us. You can donate at www.flyfishingcollaborative.org and write Alaska in the notes to help us help others.
3: Do you love our podcast and want to help support us even more? Well, now you can. You can simply go to patreon.com forward slash paddle, the letter N, Finn. Or you can also go to anchor.fm forward slash paddle, the letter N, Finn.
2: Go check out the website, guys, paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Also, check out YouTube, youtube youtube.com forward slash paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, but want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Leveling Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC covers, catch products.